it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Love this podcast because it crushes your dreams of getting rich quick. They actually got me into reading stats for anything. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Led by Andrew Sather and Dave Ahern. Step-by-step premium investing guidance for beginners. Your path to financial freedom starts now. Starts now. All right, folks, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. Today, we have a special show. Today, we're going to have some fun. We're going to talk to Val Agostino, who is the co-founder and CEO of Monarch Money. And we're going to talk about budgeting and all kinds of fun money stuff. Maybe not budgeting as much, but we're going to talk about all kinds of fun money stuff. And so Val, I guess, welcome to the show, first of all. And thank you for joining us. And I guess maybe could you tell everybody, give them a little overview of your life and how you got to be here and what you wanted to be when you grew up? Great. Well, first of all, thank you guys for having me on. It's great to be here. Yeah. So I guess backstory on myself, I started working in the industry in the late 90s during the dot-com rush. I actually started my career as an environmental engineer. That's what I went to school for. And I ended up building websites for the EPA in the mid-90s. And that that was what kind of led me into dot-com world. And I had this experience where I was working on EPA projects that had kind of 50 to 100-year timelines. And meanwhile, these internet projects, you know, put a website together, it was immediately available to the whole world. So I was enthralled with kind of the power of the internet from then on and, you know, remain that way today. And I have got started working for in the e-commerce industry in the late 90s. And then I've just been you know, kind of in the internet startup world since then. So I've built five companies at this point. Monarch is my fifth startup. Every time I keep saying, I'm not doing this again, it's too hard. And then, you know, you get enamored with the problem and you kind of get sucked back in. That's awesome. That's a very interesting backstory. So as somebody who has kind of started at the beginning of the internet to what it is now, did you think that we would be where we are now back in the 90s when you started working on that? 
It's a great question. I obviously you, you can never predict the future. I think in some ways I thought we'd be further ahead. I think the you could argue that especially in finance, the internet, at least from a consumer perspective, had as much of an impact as I probably thought it would. You know, banking and everything looks largely today the same way it did 25 years ago. But then you see things, you know, like transportation, like Uber and, you know, DoorDash and whatnot. And so it's clearly impacted other aspects of our life in a really transformational manner. So frankly, I think finance is kind of, and fintech is a little bit overdue. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I don't know about you, but I was promised flying cars by now. Yes. So you know, <laughs> we don't have those and I'm really disappointed. <laughs> so I guess maybe... Could you tell us a little bit about what it's like? You mentioned that you started five companies now. And yep. what drives somebody to go through that stress and struggle and I guess probably frustration too of starting a new company? At what point do you feel like you get where you need to be? Or does that just is it a constantly evolving process? I've never felt that I got to where I needed to be. <laughs> so it's, uh, I think that's just part of human nature, right? You're constantly, right. hopefully you're constantly striving and growing. So, but yeah, as far as like, what's the catalyst in starting a company, you know, I think it's typically you identify some need, you know, for me, the, the catalyst is usually like, man, this thing sucks. And I think we could, the solution should be X. And then usually I go out and look for X and if you can't find it and you're frustrated enough, then often that starts to germinate into like, okay, maybe I'll just go build this thing if you have, you know, if you have the capabilities. And that's the beauty of modern technology, at least, is you can spin up, you know, a solution fairly quickly. Now, scaling a company and building a company, that's a whole different beast. And, you know, I would argue that that in some ways is harder today than it was in the late 90s, just because, everything's become so complicated uh, as far as, you know, marketing channels and, and all that kind of thing. But I do think like solving people's problems is the root of what, you know, motivates most entrepreneurs that I know. How does one go from, I found this problem I want to fix to fixing it or at least attempting to fix it? Obviously, you have to have the background of how do you build my life has all been on the internet. So I look at everything through the lens of, is there a technical or software-based solution or an app that you know we could create to solve this? So there's plenty of huge problems that I and, and many like me are not well-suited to solve. And so I would say, like, if, if someone's just starting out, wants to be an entrepreneur, best advice I give people is don't try to do it yourself initially. Go find a, first of all, find a problem space that you're passionate about. You know, maybe that's global warming, maybe it's, you know, social issues or, or what have you. And then go try and find a startup that's operating in that space and just offer to do anything and just get involved. And then you'll start to understand the market. You'll start to build a network of folks in that in that industry that are doing similar things. And you'll get to see firsthand what's involved around building and starting companies. And so that's, that's usually the advice I give to younger folks is like, don't, you know, Mark, the Zuckerberg or Gates story of the people that start, you know, a company out of their dorm room is very much the exception. The best thing you could do is go learn the ropes at someone else's company and then decide when you're ready to go start your own. Yeah, that's great advice. That's awesome. What, problem have you solved recently that really fires you up lately? Uh, besides Monarch? Is that it what you're asking? Include or? Monarch? It could well, not include Monarch, whatever comes to mind. 
Yeah, I guess Monarch is interesting, right? Because I was I worked at Mint and I was the first product manager on Mint. And honestly, in many ways, Monarch to me feels like a continuation of that. And we can get into that story. But I felt like when Mint was acquired, we were just kind of getting started and we hadn't really cracked the nut or helped people dramatically improve their financial health. And that's that's a problem that I feel very passionate about. And a large part of it was based on my experience at Mint. I just saw how much people, especially in America and America's middle class, you know, struggle with basic financial uh, health, whether that's just the concepts of, you know, what should I do? How do I prioritize things? Like, how do I think about, you know, pretty, once you learn them, they're pretty basic concepts, but we're never taught this stuff in school. And so, you know, I always felt like someone would come along and continue on where Mint left off. And that didn't happen, you know, for 10 years. And so with Monarch, it was like, okay, let's jump back into this and carry the torch, hopefully. So we've talked a couple of times about your background. What is a product manager? Like, what did you do for Mint? Yeah. So at the end of the day, a product manager is kind of, you could think of him or her as the conduit between the market and the people, you know, building the product. So ultimately responsible for understanding what customers' needs are, thinking of solutions, defining those solutions, and then working with the technical and design teams to implement those solutions. And so you're kind of, in some ways you might think of it almost like a conductor in a in an orchestra or something. It's like your job is to tell the story that's going or create the thing that's going to solve the need for folks. And you have to orchestrate a whole bunch of different pieces to make that happen. So, and that's a good segue. Like if you do want to be a founder, a lot of successful founders are former product managers because you get exposure to every part of building and marketing a product in that role. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did Mint come about? Like where did that idea germinate from? Yeah. So the original idea was, well, if you remember Prior to Mint, Quicken was kind of, had Microsoft money. It was there were sort of the two horses in the race, and it was basically like desktop accounting software for households. And Aaron Patzer, the founder and CEO of Mint, and he's a phenomenal engineer, very very smart guy. And he also was like a personal finance geek, and so he was spending. I think he was probably in his early twenties at this point, mid twenties. He was spending all weekend like categorizing transactions in Quicken, according to him. And he said, well, this is stupid. I could just write an algorithm to, you know, automatically figure this stuff out and, you know, download it and, you know, do this in the cloud. And at that time, keep in mind, this was sort of circa 2006 timeframe. 2007 is when Mint, I think, officially launched. There was a big migration of former desktop software moving into the cloud. And so... That was another part of it. And Mint was kind of the first cloud-based consumer, you know, personal finance app back then. So that was the catalyst. You know, if you talk to Aaron, he got super frustrated doing this by hand. This gets back to my point of like, when you have that, oh my gosh, this sucks. I know I can solve it. I mean, it was the exact same pattern that he went through. And then he spent a year and change just kind of building it with a friend in his apartment and ultimately you know, got people using it and then, you know, went out and showed investors and raised some money and then they were off the races. I joined them. I think I was in, I don't know, employee 12 or 13 and they were just getting ready to launch at that point. 
I can tell you it was groundbreaking because uh, I had used Quicken for several years and I hated it too. Just yeah. the, the time spent trying, it just, uh, it was so painful. It was almost painful enough that you're like, I would rather just do this on book, pen and paper than yeah. to do this on the computer. And so, yeah, when Mint came out, it was revolutionary. So maybe could you talk a little bit about the transition from Mint to now what you're doing with Monarch? And maybe could you start with the naming of your company? Because I think that's really cool. Yeah, sure. I'll start with the transition and the touch on the name. So... What we saw with Mint was people love seeing all their financial information in one place. It was very powerful to kind of just get a comprehensive view and say, this is what's happening and you know this is where my money's going and all that kind of thing. But then the immediate next question people typically had was, what do I do now? And you know, I'm trying to you know, fill in the blank, pay off my student loans, buy my first house, we're thinking about having a kid, you know, all these like, you know, normal life things, but people weren't sure like what's the right next step. And historically, you would have to go engage a financial planner or advisor to get that sort of financial advice. The problem is that industry really only wants customers that generate about $5,000 or more per year in fees. That's sort of the minimum threshold where, where it makes sense. <laughs> And that basically prices out about 80% of the U.S. population. And so most people are kind of in do-it-yourself mode. They're trying to cobble stuff together or read blogs or, or Reddit or whatever it may be. So even back in Mint, we were like, well, at the end of the day, financial planning is just math. Computers are good at math. We, we should build a, a software-based product to help people with this kind of thing. And that's what we were kind of where we were headed. And then Intuit bought the company and, you know, they made it pretty clear, hey, we, we're not really interested in going down that path. We want to funnel folks into TurboTax, which is their big cash cow. It makes, you know, made total sense from a business perspective. But the whole original Mint team became somewhat disillusioned. And most of us left kind of within six to 12 months after the acquisition and went on to do some different stuff. So the fast forward, you know, 10 years. And that was kind of my starting point with Monarch was someone's going to build the financial advice and planning platform for the middle class using technology and software and, and make it affordable for folks. You know, that's what we're attempting to do with Monarch. And the name Monarch, actually a friend came up with it, but the idea is really about the transformation of the butterfly and how, and I've seen this over and over again, once you teach people the sort of basic financial behaviors and concepts, it really is like you've kind of given them wings. You know, you've given them this ability to change their life. They're, they feel a new sense of agency over where they're going and what they can do. And so that was, we were really named after, you know, the butterfly, which is why that's our logo, not named after the monarch uh, king. <laughs> Although we often get, we often get confused. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Andrew and I have been working in the you know finance space now. We've been doing the podcast for almost six years, and a big reason why we started it was to try to help people. Uh -huh. And it's interesting. You know, I worked in the banking world. I worked at Wells Fargo for about five years as a personal banker, and I saw every day, you know, the 
the lack of education, the lack of knowledge of people. And why do you think that, well, I guess this is maybe a two-part question. So why do you think A, banks don't try to work harder to help their customers? B, why is the education system not trying to help with some of this basic knowledge? What's the best way to steward your wealth? Looking to find great businesses with a margin of safety? My advice, Value Spotlight at valuespotlight.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money. Not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. Yeah, those are, you know, great, great questions. On the first one, I would say, and it's not just banks, you know, the whole financial industry really profits off our lack of knowledge you know, on a cultural basis. I mean, there was some study that came out a few years ago, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but, you know, it was something to the fact that, like, a large portion of college graduates st- didn't thought that if you paid the minimum balance on your credit card, like, you were fine. You know, that was all you, you had to do, right? There's, like, just these sort of basic concepts that, you know, folks don't learn, even in, in top schools. And the good news is that's starting to change. You know, there's efforts now to promote financial education, even at, like, the grade school level. And there's there's some apps uh, that do this well and, and whatnot. So I, I think folks are waking up to this, like, hey, 
you know, it's great that we're teaching people biology and geometry and all that kind of stuff, but you also need to learn some of these, you know, basic financial skills. So it's percolating down into curriculum in in our education system. It's certainly not where it, it should be. Like my perspective is, you know, it should be just as basic as, you know, learning algebra or whatever. And I think we'll get there eventually. But yeah, right now it is problematic. And it definitely, you see it then play out, especially when people are in their 20s and and 30s. And that's when this stuff really, you know, hits home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I know that recently, you know, we've been talking about Mint, but that's actually no longer. And so how can Monarch help those people and other people? Yeah, so the backstory... First of all, I get asked a lot, like, you know, why do you think Mint's shutting down? And and to me, the bigger surprise was that they kept it alive as long as they did. These products are actually quite expensive to run. I think a lot of people don't recognize that, you know, a, a company like Monarch or Mint or other similar folks that's aggregating all this data is typically paying data fees to uh, third-party aggregators, and those fees can get very expensive. It's typically, you know, some amount per month based on the number of institutions, and we sometimes see customers with 30 different institutions connected. So Mint was pretty much always losing money, and, you know, Intuit justified it as, hey, we're using this as, like, again, like a, a marketing tool for TurboTax or, or what have you. So the downside, I think, for a lot of folks is they've been conditioned to believe, hey, all of these things should be free. You know, these personal, and it's not just personal finance apps. It's really all apps in general. You know, consumers have just been trained by Google, Facebook, you name it, that no matter how much utility this thing provides in my life, I shouldn't have to pay for it. And... I think the downside of that is we've seen now the data, you know, we've seen the impacts that these large ad-based businesses have on our democracy, on spreading misinformation. And I think people are finally waking up to the fact of like, oh my gosh, if I'm not paying for the product as the saying goes, then I am the product. I am the product. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And that's especially, I think, nefarious when it comes to financial data, because it's so private, it's so personal. And if you know, if you're using one of these apps for free and, and folks, you know, you never know, no, you have to read their privacy policy, but they may be selling that data to to aggregators. They may be selling it to Wall Street. You know, it's it's quite valuable depending on the scale. And so from the outset, we always wanted Monarch to be act as a fiduciary for our customers. So what that means, if you're not familiar with that term, is we act in our customers' best interests, you know, at every point. So we For that reason, we don't sell ads, we don't promote any financial products. And what we like about the subscription-based business model is it aligns our interests with our customers. Like we are religious about talking to our customers and understanding, you know, what what do they need, what's working for them, what's not working for them. And, you know, we iterate as quickly as we can on that. So yeah, with with Mitch wind down and they they've kind of Initially, they said it was going to be January 1st. Now they said they're reevaluating the time frame a little bit based on the pushback. But a lot of people, understandably, are like, I need, I'm looking for similar functionality, but there is no free tool. And, and folks are somewhat frustrated by that. And the reason is all the free tools have either gone out of business or they've been acquired. And so for that reason, I'd really encourage people, whether it's us or someone else, you know, 
you want to pay for a product like this. The ROI is undeniable. You know, we see the typical customer increasing their net worth, typically thousands of dollars a year, increasing their savings rate, uh, and just improving their general financial behavior. So the value is clearly there. But a lot of folks are like, wait a minute, I'm trying to save money. Like, why are you trying to charge me money? And so there's this understandable aversion, at least at first. So going into the app, like, you guys made it super simple. Uh, you can sign up for a seven-day free trial. Within like minutes, I was able to see, oh, there's Bank of America. Boom. Connected. Oh, there's Fidelity. Boom. It's connected. So it, you guys have really lowered the barriers to getting a lot of that stuff. Because to your point, it could be a connected web of so many different institutions and bank accounts or what have you. So for somebody who can maybe visualize, maybe they haven't used Mint before, so they don't it's hard to conceptualize what we're talking about. After they sign up, get a couple accounts in there, kind of see their overall picture, what's the next best thing to do that can give somebody impact right away? Yeah, that's a great question. So a good analogy that we often use is to kind of think of your financial journey uh, like GPS navigation, Right. So you can say the first step with GPS is, okay, where am I starting? You know, like, (laughs) where am I located? Then it's like, where am I trying to get to? And then there's, you know, the route you should take as well as like the turn by turn guidance as you go along. And I, I think that maps well to kind of financial planning in general. So the first piece of get everything connected, and that's just kind of like, you know, where am I starting? Monarch lets you, because we start with a, a default set of spending categories and that kind of thing, but you can customize that however you desire. Uh, and so people then usually say, okay, I'm going to, I don't know, I'm just making this up. Let's say you have a hobby of, I don't know, pottery, right? You might say, okay, I'm spending X amount on pottery. So I'm going to have a, a, a category for pottery. So people will customize it. And what's unique about Monarch is it then learns how you do that. And going forward, it'll say, okay, these transactions in the future get categorized as pottery. And it going forward, it, it gets smarter over time. So that's kind of the setup. Then it's like, okay, what are my goals? You know, that's the destination. Like, what am I trying to achieve? We usually, and, and most professionals would recommend, like the first thing is to have some kind of emergency fund so you can buffer yourself against unforeseen uh, expenses like a car breaking down or a medical expense or whatever. So we usually encourage people to set up an emergency fund and we have a calculator that tells you like based on your your income and everything and your expenses, how much you should have in that emergency fund. But then you can set up other goals, you know, buying a house or, you know, paying down student debt or, or whatever it may be. Um, and then, uh, you know, based on Monarch sucks in your history. And so it learns like typically how much you're spending in each of these areas and kind of creates what what we call a plan or other people call a budget. And then we can say, okay, I'm going to put, you know, whatever, $200 a month to my student loans and, you know, X amount to my house down payment or so on and so forth. And then based on that, it can help you understand, okay, this is when uh, you might achieve those goals based on these assumptions. So that's kind of your destination set up and your map to get there or your plan to get there. And then the real sort of magic though is like the day in and day out of like, okay, how am I tracking as things come up? And and this is where digital platforms like this are really in many ways better than kind of human planners because it's constantly up to date. You know, if, if you're meeting with a human financial planner, 
you might sit down with them, you know, once a year or a couple times a year, and then they have to calibrate, but you don't get the real-time feedback of like, you know, I went overboard on restaurants uh, last week, so I'm going to like dial it back this week and, you know, spend a little less or whatever. It's great because the customization, I mean, personal finance is personal. Is that not one of the most said quotes that me and Dave say, right? Yes. Personal finance is personal. Yeah, it's true. And I, you know, I, I realize I've been, you know, harping a little bit on advisors and planners. I should mention that we do have, we've seen a lot of advisors starting to use Monarch with their clients. And we've recently launched a, a Monarch for Advisor offering. And I will say that, you know, it's great if you want to, some people just want to do all this stuff on their own. They very much enjoy the nitty gritty details and everything. And other people do want help and, you know, they want access to professionals and advice and, and that kind of thing. And so we built Monarch to be collaborative originally. So it was partners or spouses could work together on their financial goals. And then we've seen a lot of folks inviting their advisors or their CPA in or whatever. And that's why we launched this Monarch for Advisors product. So I think the future from our perspective is that money should also be collaborative. You know, it shouldn't be this thing you do in isolation. You know, a lot of people have feelings of shame around where they're starting or whatever, or their spending patterns. And we really want it to be, you know, viewed as, as we always say, money is a multiplayer game. You know, whether it's your partners or your friends or, you know, a lot of people are now, especially as like the baby boomers are aging, a lot of folks my age are now taking care of their parents' financial situation and that kind of thing. So so personal finance, I would say, is also, it's also not personal in, in many ways. You know, it's, uh, it is kind of more collaborative, I think, than we make it out to be. Yeah, I like that idea of it being a multiplayer game because, mm-hmm. you know, I think you're right. Andrew and I talk about this all the time in investing is that most people act like it's a single player game. And you can get so much benefit from having somebody else to bounce ideas off of. And, you know, the greatest investor of our generation, Warren Buffett, had Charlie Munger. I mean, that's exactly. the perfect example of having that help. And yep. you could, and you can see, if you study him, you can see the evolution and the influence that Charlie had on Warren over their, you know, 60 years or so together. So, yep. yeah, it's, I love that idea. That's fantastic. What's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's ebook for free at stockmarketpdf.com. So I guess my next question is, we've talked a little bit about, about finance and stuff. Are you a finance nerd? Would you consider yourself that? Yeah, very much. I was, you know, I was part of the Quicken crowd in the 90s. And then when I, yeah, the segue into Mint was the same experience you had was like, okay, this is great. I finally don't have to do all this stuff by hand. So yeah, I had been using Quicken for 10-ish years before I landed at Mint. And yeah, my... You know, I started in college just kind of out of interest. And then as an entrepreneur, we would go long periods, my wife and I, with no income or very little income as you're trying to get a business off the ground. And so, you know, I also had to be very good at forecasting our kind of spending and cash position and that kind of thing. So we didn't, uh, you know, run ourselves into the ground. So that I've built many, many spreadsheets over the years. Yeah, but Monarch is also an attempt to, you know, help people avoid that pain, hopefully. I think you've done a fantastic job of building that product that can help 
minimize that pain for sure. You know, if you think about, I mean, because I've been able to use Quicken and then Mint and now Monarch Money, I can see the evolution. And it's, you know, like Andrew was saying, it, it's so easy. It's, it shocked me, to be honest with you. Uh, when I started, you know, connecting all my accounts, I was like, this is too easy. Well, that's great. We've invested many years into the, just the account aggregation piece. Like a lot of folks underestimate how how complicated that is, and it's an ever changing landscape. You know, mm-hmm. you'll see one institution will work with a particular data provider for some period, and then it stops because they're in contract negotiation or or for some re- other reason. And so it's always like a, sh- a shifting landscape. So I appreciate that. And I'll, I'll just add that we're really just getting started with Monarch. You know, my perspective is we're kind of 20% into this thing at this point. You know, we really want to go, like I said, go beyond just kind of budgeting and tracking and help folks understand, you know, what's the right insurance levels to have based on, you know, my family and and our needs, like what kind of estate planning should I have in place and then actually help people, you know, do the right things through automation and so on and so forth. We have a lot to build uh, currently. We're going to be staffing up pretty aggressively here. To touch on the multiplier thing one more time, can you explain what you meant by being able to collaborate with a spouse? Yeah, sure. So, you know, a lot of these apps historically, you had one login and if you wanted to, you know, if you wanted your partner or spouse to like help you or work together on this stuff, then you would have to share a login. And so we created Monarch so that you can have multiple accounts and, you know, with different access levels today. And so the way the common use case, especially with partners is kind of like, you see some charge come through and you're like, what is this thing? You know, I, I don't recognize this. Is this a fraudulent charge or did you, you know, whatever, go stop off with some, you know, merchant that we're not familiar with. And so we we're making it in one click. You can ask your partner like, hey, do you recognize this thing or what category does this belong to? And they can, you know, then train the system on that. So that's like a basic thing. The more important piece, I think, is, you know, sort of best practice in a marriage uh, or a partnership to, you know, get aligned with your financial values and to sit down and say, okay, these we're, we're in agreement about the goals and the priority of these different goals. And, you know, once a month, let's just sit down and see like, okay, like, where did we spend our money? Like, how are we doing against our goals? Do we feel like the way that we are being in the world with our finances is congruent with our values. You know, do we feel stressed about this stuff or, or comfortable? And do we want to, you know, do we want to change anything? And that's that's sort of an impossible conversation to have if you don't have the information in front of you. Result, you know, most couples don't do that. And Monarch makes it very easy. We have end of month review that when everything is classified correctly and and comes in, you know, you can kind of go through it in, you know, two minutes and it just, you know, shows all the stuff. And we see all the time or we hear all the time from couples that are like, Oh my gosh, this thing has had people tell us this has saved their marriage because they were so used to fighting about money and finances is one of the number one causes of divorce and depression and, and household stress and so on and so forth. So yeah, that, I think is really where the collaboration comes in on a partnership basis. And then, like I said, we you also have people bringing in their advisor and that, that advisor can serve as a, just like another level of accountability, you know, where they'll say, Hey, this is your investment, you know, timeline, or this is, you know, 
how much I, if you want to like, whatever, retire at say 52 instead of 65 or or whatever, maybe the original plan was, you know, we're going to need to be putting an extra thousand dollars a month towards these types of investments. And I can see your spending patterns and your income patterns and let's have a conversation as to like, what's, you know, what's more important to you. Like maybe the car payment is worth it. Maybe you don't want to drive that car, but you want to retire early. And I think that's the important thing is showing people the levers that they can turn or they can pull in order to create a different future. And when you have everything in one platform, you really can start to see how it's all connected. Because at the end of the day, everything's driven from your cash flow. It's all all this stuff is pulling from the same pool of money. And it's really just understanding how do you want to direct that money in a way that makes sense to you. What's great about the two, the way you guys present it, it helps if one person in the relationship's not as money focused as the other. Yeah. You know, the visuals and everything really make it simple to make sure both people are on the same page, at least in my opinion. We certainly see that. And that's pretty common in a lot of partnerships is you'll see one of the partners is more the, you know, the financial lead and kind of takes the lead there and the other person, you know, may not. So we we do hear that a lot, which is like, hey, I'm trying to get my, you know, my husband or wife on board with this stuff. And this is the first time they've ever cared about it because, they can kind of understand what's happening. Whereas if you show them an Excel spreadsheet and they're not, uh, you know, not a big fan of spreadsheets, uh, their eyes typically glaze over. (laughs) What is the biggest money mistake you've ever seen? Ah, gee. Well, it doesn't have to be one that you perform. It doesn't have to be personal. I'm just, you know, what do you see? What do you, maybe, maybe. Well, I've I've spent 15 years in Silicon Valley, so I've seen, you know, multi billions of dollars (laughs) evaporated. uh, (laughs) Like that. <laughs> like like every year, yeah. So uh, if you take that out of the equation, uh, you know, let's, let's skip WeWork. I put them up there. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, yeah, I'd say the biggest money mistake for most families or most households is just kind of not planning ahead, you know? And it's we already touched on the emergency fund thing, but it, mm-hmm. you know, even just having a few hundred dollars in an emergency fund can really smooth out, you know, when you're just getting started, like that could be a plane ticket home. If you need to like go home for a funeral or, or something, or if you have a car, you know, maintenance or whatnot. Mm. So I think that's what we offer. The number one way that Americans typically get in rough financial trouble is some unforeseen medical expense. And, you know, that may be that they're underinsured or or whatever, but more often than not, it's, you know, something happens and then all of a sudden you have $15,000 in medical bills and, you know, no way to cover that or, and that really can set people up for years of challenges. And so, I mean, part of that's our, our medical system, which is a whole different conversation. But, you know, if you did have an emergency fund, then that's exactly, you know, what it's there for. So I would say that... That's like our number one piece of advice for folks. Good advice. That's really good advice. I, I think I remember reading somewhere that the average American has less than $100 in savings or something crazy like that. Yeah, it's 400 bucks. I think they, they okay. couldn't cover you know an emergency. And yeah, I think they said 50% of households couldn't cover like a $400 emergency out of their savings. And you know, there's been some debunking of that stat. It certainly got a lot of, you know, depends how you 
look at it, the overarching point holds, which is as a country, like our financial health is pretty poor. And the other, I think, important piece of this is financial health is just like physical health in the sense of it's more about doing like the small things over time, right? So like with physical health, if you go, you don't have to become an Olympic athlete, right? If you just go for like a short 15 minute walk every day, like research is clear, like that's going to dramatically improve your health over time. And it's very similar with financial health. You know, no matter where you're starting, you know, you can put $10, you know, a week towards, towards your emergency fund or, or something like that. And over time it, it compounds and it grows as you guys know. And so it's really just about establishing a learning those behaviors and kind of knowing what to do and then b doing it consistently over a long period. And it, you know, it just compounds and, you know, and then all of a sudden you look up and you're in, in a totally different financial situation, you know, down the road. That's one of the things I love about what you guys are trying to do and what you're building is, you know, helping middle class America, lower income people get to that point. Because to step on my soapbox for a moment, if we help the financial situation of everybody in the country, that just makes our world that much of a better place. And so I applaud you guys for what you guys are trying to do. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's, we're very passionate about it. And, you know, honestly, I wouldn't have probably gotten back into this if had I not had my experience at Mint and just seen how emotional, I mean, there's, I said this earlier, right? But it, financial stress is like the number one source of stress in American households. And and when you give people, and it's it's an area where software can actually alleviate that through information, through guidance, uh, and so on and so forth. And we've we've had people at Bonarch tell us like, oh my gosh, I can finally walk into a grocery store without having a panic attack about bouncing a check. You know, I mentioned the impact on people's like marriages and relationships. We have folks that are like, hey, I can I wasn't able to sleep because I was so stressed out about my student loan debt and you've helped me come up with a plan and I'm making progress towards that. And I'm finally like sleeping again. And so you just see these really human or hear these really human stories around how this stuff impacts people at a very visceral level. That's awesome. So this stuff can definitely help people change their lives, but it does take the step of you got to go do it yourself. So where should people go if they're interested in learning more about what you guys are doing and how it can help them. Yeah, you can just go to monarchmoney.com, sign up. You know, we have a seven-day trial. Typically, we're running a promotion now that has a 30-day extension trial. So, you know, sign up, connect your accounts, and it'll it'll walk you through it. Yep. It's super easy. It's awesome. I've been using it for a little over two months now, and I absolutely love it. I check it every day, and it's so easy to set up. It's strongly encouraged people to go out and, and check it out. So Val, thank you very much for joining us today. We really appreciate your time and dropping all the knowledge and continue to do what you guys are doing because this is awesome. Fantastic. Well, it was great being here, guys, and I appreciate you uh, having me on. You're welcome. All right. Well, with that, we'll go ahead and sign us off. You guys go out there and invest with the margin of safety, emphasis on the safety. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. 
The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.